Welcome to the Intesa San Paolo Talks. Hello and welcome to another episode in our Intesa San Paolo Talks podcast series. It feels safe to say that nothing in most people's lifetimes has had a faster and bigger economic impact than the COVID-19 crisis. Its effects have been felt by more people more rapidly than even the global financial crisis of 2008. And it's not just domestic economies that have seen extraordinary change. Everything from international trade flows to trading relationships have been thrown up in the air, with serious questions asked about how countries will deal with themselves and each other in the future. So let's see if we can begin to answer some of those questions with Luca Mezzomo, Intesa San Paolo's Head of Macroeconomic Research. Luca, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I presume you, like all of us, have never seen anything quite like this before. That's correct. It's the first time in my life, and I think in most people's lives. How hard is it uh, in a situation like this uh, to sort of predict what's going to happen next? Um, It's very tough because uh, since it is unprecedented, we have uh, no previous examples on which to draw implications. Uh, uh, so it's impossible for us to use uh, usual statistical means uh, to make forecasts. Uh, and uh, there was the, the need this time to uh, come up with a, a full range of new tools, statistical tools, uh, to assess the, the size of impact, which is a problem we, uh, we share with uh, statistical offices, for instance. Now we have a better grasp of the situation. It's uh, becoming easier for, uh, for us uh, economists to, to make predictions about uh, future developments. Yes, I mean, easier, but I imagine still very difficult. Let's uh, sort of go around the world, maybe, if we can. Let's start with China, where this crisis began, of course. They dealt with it in their own unique way, sort of closing down huge swathes of the country and sealing bits of the country off. Do you think, in terms of the Chinese economy, uh, that those actions have significantly helped them? Do you think they'll recover more quickly, or do you think they're in for a major slowdown anyway? Um, It's clear that they face a major slowdown uh, uh, anyway. Um, Q1 was uh, negatively impacted uh, by by the lockdowns, um, and the recovery in Q2 um, seems at present uh, less brilliant than expected. So it's, it's tough to re-emerge from uh, um, a lockdown as severe as the one they, uh, they had uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, which tells a lot about uh, what we should expect in, in Europe as well, because we, uh, we went through a similar, similar experience in, in some countries. And so we'll, uh, we need to expect um, a difficult and slow recovery uh, after the, the sharp fall related to the lockdowns and, and shutdown. In China, we expect GDP uh, this year to grow just 1%, um, even assuming a strong rebound in the second half of the year. And next year, we expect uh, the global recovery to push uh, um, Chinese GDP growth to about 7.6%. China faces a problem. Uh, The pandemic is still underway in uh, other parts of of the world, and so the exports are not as strong as they were before. Yeah, you see, interesting when you say uh, they're going to have growth of just 1%. I mean, most parts of the world would be jumping over the moon, you know, popping champagne corks at the idea of 1% growth in the next year or so, wouldn't they? Oh, sure. Well, uh, that's the official growth rate uh, published by, by China. 
the information we have about uh, actual trends uh, point to a real economic performance, which is probably less brilliant than that. Okay, so let's uh, let's come a little bit closer to home. You mentioned uh, uh, that you know, everyone would suffer the, similarly, and Europe would be this would be the same. Um, do you have a sense that uh, of of what's going to happen in Europe over the next year? I'm I'm afraid that the recovery will not uh, be as fast as the the, the drop in economic activity we experienced uh, uh, between March and April. Uh, yes, the, the trough of this um, cycle uh, was probably in the first half of April. Uh, the, the recovery uh, has been underway since the second half of April in most of uh, continental Europe, uh, but the pace of this recovery is uh, very slow. Um, we do not expect uh, a return to pre-crisis levels anytime soon, and frankly, most forecasters expect uh, pre-crisis levels to be reached only between 2022 and 2023, depending on the country. Um, so it's a difficult situation, posing uh, very, very serious challenges uh, to uh, to policymakers. Yeah, so that is the, the the key thing is is the policy response. Do you think that at a in Europe at a, at a, a EU wide level, uh, that, that it's likely to be effective? Um, I think initially the policy response has been mostly at uh, uh, government level. There was no common response to the crisis. The attitude was uh, that's the responsibility of member states. Uh, let's leave the policy response to member states. Um, and now I think the attitude is changing because it's becoming clear that not all member states have a fiscal space uh, to support the recovery. Um, some of them started with uh, very high government debt ratios uh, before the crisis. And so it's difficult for, for some member states to, uh, to provide all the support uh, their, their economies uh, require. So now there is a shift towards uh, uh, EU um, um, support measures uh, um, with this interesting debate underway about uh, the Recovery and Resilience Fund, uh, about uh, the pandemic crisis support provided by the uh, European Stability Mechanism and so on. So I think the attitude is, is changing and we are moving slightly towards uh, a common response uh, uh, to the pandemic. The Intesa San Paolo Talks. Let's have a little uh, look at the U.S., of course, the other, uh, the, 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 the world's biggest, uh, perhaps most important economy. 30 million jobs lost in two months. Um, uh, I mean, it's sort of you, you start thinking about things like the Great Depression and, and, and wonder whether it's similar to that. Um, it's uh, worse and better at the same time. It's worse because it happened much faster than during the, the Great Depression. Uh, it's better because the cause is different uh, and it's uh, easier to deal with it than it was the case uh, under the Great Depression. Uh, most of this increase in unemployment uh, is likely to be temporary. It's related to the choice made by the uh, U.S. administration to um, provide support to workers uh, by using um, unemployment benefits uh, rather than the short-time uh, uh, job schemes uh, that uh, Europe prefers. Uh, most of these unemployed, uh, unemployed people will return back to, to work uh, in the next months. We expect unemployment to drop to 7-8% next year and then to 4-5% by 2022. Of course, this requires a significant fiscal stimulus uh, to um, 
to, to raise aggregate demand and support the, the economy during the crisis. And what about this? I mentioned right at the beginning that, you know, this is changing, perhaps changing the way that uh, different parts of the world look at each other and trade with each other and deal with each other. Uh, you know, there were already fairly significant tensions between the US and China in particular before this crisis. What sort of impact do you think uh, that's, the, 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 this crisis is going to have long term on those relationships? Well, for the time being, I think that the uh, pandemic has probably reduced the interest uh, to uh, continue with the trade war and to escalate the trade war. There is a major decrease in trade flows. Uh, uh, there are bigger concerns at present. So for the time being, I don't think the, uh, the trade war will uh, escalate any further. Uh, it would be a big mistake for, uh, for all the parties involved uh, to restart the trade war during the recovery because the recovery um, will, uh, will rely heavily on an increase in trade flows. But clearly, I do understand that uh, foreign policy trends uh, uh, mean that other countries will, uh, will want uh, in the future to restrain the, the recent imperialist trends in, uh, in Chinese foreign policy. And probably trade, uh, trade policy are one instrument they think uh, is available to, to do that. Yeah, that that seems pretty likely, doesn't it? But also on top of that, you know, uh, I mean, I'm talking to you from London and the the, the, the British government, uh, there's lots of discussion about uh, being more self-reliant, uh, about having a different relationship with China in the future, etc. But so I wonder whether the, the whole the whole concept of the way the global economy has gone for the last 20 years is changing now and that perhaps we'll, we'll, we'll take a different approach to in the internationalization or globalization of trade? Um, this is a very good point. I think that there, are, there is a clear trend now underway because of the uh, trade war between uh, the US and China, because of a threat posed by China, uh, and because of a pandemic, uh, um, a trend away from uh, um, the previous uh, trend towards globalization. Now, uh, there, the trend is uh, more toward uh, uh, reshoring uh, production activity. Um, it's more about ensuring the uh, safety and resilience of supply chains. And is that a good thing or a bad thing, do you think? Um, I think there is a trade-off. Um, the, the benefit of globalization was, uh, in general, to, to have more goods available to, to consumers at a lower cost. Uh, but there was uh, also um, uh, another side of the coin, which was uh, an increase in uh, um, inequality. Uh, in terms of income and wealth distribution, which was partly uh, a side effect of globalization, and especially the kind of checked globalization we had uh, before. Uh, so we need to strike a new balance, uh, probably. And uh, the other problem we face is that uh, globalization, when the countries are of similar size, uh, is easier to manage. But when one of the countries is so much bigger than the other, which is the case of China, uh, probably too much production activity uh, could end up shifted to, the, to this country. And again, I think there is a, there is a need for a, for a different, different balance. Yeah. The Intesa San Paolo Talks. 
Luca, before we finish, I wonder whether I could ask you sort of three sort of slightly politics related things in different parts of the world. Starting with the US, there's a there's an election, of course, in November. Uh, thoughts on an outcome to that and how important it's going to be for the rest of the world? I think the outcome will be very important. Uh, it's difficult for me to predict the, the outcome. What I can say is that a change of the administration would be beneficial for the, for the global economy and for the rest of the world because the Trump administration has been very disruptive for the global order and not in a good way. Uh, and in the UK, do you think... Uh... Do you think that my fellow British citizens would have voted for Brexit if they knew what was what was coming down the line? <laughs> Who knows? I think the whole story had a little to do with uh, facts about the economy or about the EU. Uh, the fact of today, my view is that the UK is no more within the EU, and the priority is now to uh, to exit uh, this transition period uh, with. Um, an agreement in place between the UK and the EU that limits uh, uh, the economic damage uh, in, we'll, uh, we shall suffer uh, after the transition period, insofar as possible. Yeah. So let me ask you one last question. It'll be a big question, Luca. So it's, it's maybe quite difficult to answer in one answer. But do you think this crisis uh, will strengthen or weaken the EU project? Uh, another good point. Uh, I think uh, uh, the EU um, has been weakened by this crisis. Um, uh, this crisis has uh, increased the inequality within the EU uh, because weaker member states uh, um, now have less uh, possibility to support the recovery and uh, their financial position is now worse than it was before the crisis. So all consider, I think, that the situation uh, um, is more difficult to manage for the EU than it was before. That said, uh, um, it, it could also be an opportunity to change, uh, to change uh, the direction of the EU. The attitude until recently was uh, um, to focus just on the single market and not more, much more than that. Um, now I think there is more concern about the long-run sustainability of the European Union, especially the monetary union. And so um, there is more willingness among some member states uh, uh, to display solidarity and uh, to come up with a, um, a common approach and common solutions. It's, um, it's difficult. Um, we, shall see, uh, we shall see that very clearly in the next meetings of the, of the uh, European, um, Council of European Union. Uh, but I think uh, some progress uh, can be achieved uh, through compromise. It was the case also after the, uh, the Euro area debt crisis. Um, we started with a very difficult situation and then some solutions came up. Um, probably the same will, uh, will happen after this uh, pandemic crisis. Uh, Luca, that's been fantastic to talk to you. Thank you very much for your for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. That's Luca Metzoma, who's uh, head of macroeconomic research for Intesa San Paolo. That's it for this episode of the Intesa San Paolo Talks. If you've enjoyed it and want to hear more, then please subscribe to us using your usual podcast provider. You'll be able to get old episodes about all sorts of things to do with the circular economy, art, a whole range of things. And of course, you'll get future episodes sent to your to your devices automatically. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Intesa San Paolo Talks presented by Guy Ruddle. 